Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. And today I have on Brandon DeCruz. Uh, by now, you guys all know who Brandon is uh, at this point. Um, so Brandon, welcome back on today, man. Hey, Jeff, I appreciate you having me on, my man. Always looking forward to these chats. Yeah, me too. So I think the last time that we chatted, we didn't really dive into your training too much. We've been getting a little bit more like life updates from you and everything like that. So, uh, you know, maybe fill the audience in on house training how training is going and maybe even like nutrition side of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the last couple of months, actually the last time that we covered training and nutrition, it was right after I got cleared from my surgery. Yep. So I had a surgery, I was out for approximately 12 weeks and then I was really in the rebuilding process. So I was relearning movement patterns. I was changing a lot of my movement selection because I had been in a car accident. So it was, it had really messed up my, my ability to stabilize myself and really brace from the core. So I, I rebuilt myself through both physical therapy and then also adjunctive therapies. You know, um, I was doing BFR and, and, uh, electromuscular stimulation and all these different things to just try to facilitate some type of stimulus to the muscle, but without, you know, putting such a load that it was going to either re-injure or, you know, essentially slow down my recovery. So within the last couple of months, I was actually just talking to a friend about this. I've, I've really gotten back into a good pattern and really back into the habit of training in the way that I like to. So going through a, a progressive mesocycle construction where I'm going from say three reps in reserve down to zero. So usually my mesocycles, I, I do everything um, in a very auto regulatory manner. So it's not like I'm using a four to one or a five to one paradigm, but actually you're catching me in a deload. So I went six weeks this last mesocycle uh, and then I deloaded this week. I deloaded for a variety of reasons. At this point, I'm, I'm pretty in tune with my body. I'm looking over all these biometrics. So I look at HRV, my blood glucose, my facet uh, resting heart rate, and then also my blood sugar. And I'm starting to see deviations, but it's also due to the fact that, like I had mentioned to you, I'm moving this week. So I'm moving about two hours south of where I am located now. So this just all aligned pretty perfectly. And I think once you, you become an advanced trainee, it kind of lines up where, you know, you either deload yourself or life deloads for you. So I, I often tell people that. And um, so this week will be a deload, but I'm running, you know, this was a six to one paradigm. I am in a, just trying to progress the stimulus and I'm, I'm doing a lot of things differently than I have in the past. I've always been um, more, you know, um, kind of load focus uh, in previous years. But right now, I'm just trying to progress the stimulus. So it's in, in any fashion possible. So we're talking reps. We're talking, um, you know, in terms of effort, you know, going down in RIR, um, pretty much everything but volume accumulation, which is something that I was a big fan of. But right now, I just see that because I was out from training for so long, I was pretty much sidelined for 12 weeks. But even in the, you know, the six months previous to that, I was pretty much training at maintenance volumes. I pretty much resensitized myself to volume. So I'm noticing that my effective volume is much lower. You know, my, my maximum adaptive volume per se is much lower than it was previously. And that could be because of, you know, people say anabolic resistance or whatever it may be. Um, but I'm noticing I'm getting more out of less. And that's something I really try to get across to clients. It's we're, we're, we're focusing on quality of work first, and then we look to 
use qu uh, quantity. So I'm kind of at the lower end of the volume spectrum, maybe 10 to 20 sets per body part, which is what, you know, a lot of times we see in the literature, but I was someone that was going up to 20 or 30 working sets during specialization cycles on one to three body parts previous to this, you know, um, this surgery, as well as previous to the actual car accident in and of itself. And so um, training has been going really well. I'm using a high frequency routine. I'm up to six days a week, which previous to this, I was only training four days per week. But because I'm trying to really, really focus on that quality volume, I find that I'm just much more effective at spreading out the volume, whether it's say I'm doing 15 working sets per week, instead of doing that twice per week and allocating seven sets in one session and eight sets in another, maybe deviate, you know, uh, dividing that five sets per session and just getting really as much quality work. And then also a lot of times we count volume just as hard sets, but I'm also seeing it as I'm accumulating, accumulating more effective volume. You know I mean, each session. Yeah. So I'm getting more of a stimulus from, you know, what people would look at as the same type, you know, same amount of work. So, you know, if I had looked at it previously and someone just saw my mesocycle construction, they would say, oh, well, he's doing 15 sets of chest. In, in this mesocycle, as well as the other mesocycle. But really, when we look at it at my load progression, my reps per set, and even my execution per set, it's, it's much higher quality currently. So I'm hitting everything three times per week. Um, I'm someone that I've been training for 15 years at this point. So generally, I do specialization cycles. Like I said, I will do one to three body parts that I really focus on and then put the, and I progress volume on it. And then I put the other body parts on a maintenance volume uh, just so I can allocate my recovery resources a little bit uh, better. However, right now I'm looking for systemic growth because I did lose tissue uh, during the layoff and not being able to, to train properly. And also I'm just trying to, to essentially rebuild my structure as well as my capacity for training overall. So instead of going in on, you know, 20 to 30 sets on just say my chest and back, I'm looking at spreading out my, my volume budget. I kind of look at volume as, as a budget and we can allocate, we have so many sets per week that we can allocate towards our entire body. So you can either, you know, divide that up with utilizing more volume for your weak points and then less volume on your strong points, or you can do that more of an even spread throughout the week. So I'm utilizing more of like the even spread. That doesn't mean that some body parts aren't differentiated. So say for instance, my recoverable volume on my hamstrings is much less than my chest. So I am going to, there is going to be a difference between the two, but it's not such a deviation. Whereas in years prior, I might use 10 working sets for my hamstrings, but I might go up to 25 working sets for my chest. We're not, I'm not utilizing that discrepancy right now, but like I said, everything's based on auto-regulation. So it, it's based on how I, I feel my biofeedback in the morning, um, you know, photos, my progressions, how I feel. Um, so it, it's really, you know, I, I've gotten to the point where I need to be very in tune with my recovery capacity and all aspects and then also pair my nutrition with my training. So as I've went throughout the course, especially of this last six-week mesocycle, nutrition I've titrated up, obviously, because I'm going, I'm, I'm you know, inducing more progressive overload, a higher amount of stimulus. So I'm trying to fuel that, rec that recovery as well as that training and making sure I'm going into sessions extremely well-fueled, but also on the back end of that, utilizing the post-workout window to re re you know, replenish glycogen and really get the most out of that nutrient primed, you know, availability state where, you know, I'm uptaking nutrients. Well, my insulin sensitivity is, is very well right now. You know, that's something I track on the daily. So, um, that's, that's where I'm at a really good place. I'm happy to be back here. I'll tell you, I'm extremely appreciative to be able to train in the manner that I have just the last couple of months, because it was a good year over a year where I was really unable to train in the manner that I like. And it's not all about crushing yourself in the gym and, you know, lifting max weights and stuff. I've, I'm, 
remove my ego very much so from lifting. But like we're going to talk about here on this podcast today, there are so many other benefits than just the progression. And this really, uh, really proved to me that I'm in this for the long haul. So for over a year due to the injuries that I incurred, I didn't see any progression. I didn't make any progress. I pretty much stayed in maintenance. And that's where I see a lot of people, they fall off or they get discouraged. But I realized that training is so much more for me. It's an outlet. It's, you know, it helps me mediate my stress. And also it's just something that's so beneficial from my health perspective that even though during that time I wasn't making, you know, visible gains in terms of my physique, it still gave me so much more out of life and let me apply the lessons that I learned in the gym or the qualities that I cemented there into other aspects. But I will tell you, it's always good when you have a physical goal and you're working towards something and you're seeing progress. That's always a rewarding part of the process. So I'm, I'm really just glad to be back at, you know, where I'm at right now. Cool, man. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. I'm glad that, you know, you're able to get back to, to normal training. Like you said, it's, you, you know, you, it sounds like you use kind of what, what you could as, as a way to just, again, keep like training's kind of like your, that, that keeps you centered. And, and you were still able to do that, even though you were obviously not progressing or anything at that time. And, and again, like you said, I think that that's kind of an underrated factor of, of fitness and nutrition and all these things and lifting. And obviously, like we said, we'll, we'll dive into that, but, but I agree with you there. And, and, and now, you know, you're able to, to dive back into it and, um, start to progress yourself again. And, and that's always a good feeling. I feel like it kind of gets you, you know, it's kind of remotivate again. And it almost sounds like as far as like your volume goes and everything, you're almost kind of, uh, back to, you know, obviously you're not a beginner, but it's almost like you're back to that level because you, you can, you know, you had that, that long layoff and that's kind of nice. I feel like it kind of gets you to be able to reset. And I'm sure like over, over that year, you learned a lot. And, and I feel like at that point, you know, a lot of those things you learned in that time, I feel like you almost kind of got like a fresh start. Whereas like a lot of people, they learn these things and like, you know, they're always kind of, training and they don't have that kind of like reset in a way. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious there to hear how, if, if that was like pretty helpful in terms of like, almost like resetting essentially in terms of like how you view training or uh, anything like that. 100%. Honestly, I'm, I'm a really big believer in taking every experience as a learning experience. So even if it's a setback, you know, I try to use it as a setup for something else. And so with that, it allowed me to really remove myself from the physical aspect of training, meaning the, the physical manifestation of my training as a means to just progress my physique. And that's something I am focused on. You know, that's something that's been a part of me. You know, I've competed 15 times over the years and done over 100 photo shoots. So I'd be lying if I told you that my physique didn't matter to me or I didn't care about how I looked. But it really made me take a step back and realize the importance of training just as an activity. What am I going to do when my, my physique peaks? Am I still going to want to do this? Um, you know, what, what happens when I can't be in the gym? And that was something that it really made me question a lot of things um, about myself and about my life and just reframe a lot of things. And then also it taught me, I really dove deep into the recovery aspect. I mean, I read every resource and consulted with, you know, PhDs on the subject, um, on the, the um, topic of recovery or nutrition for recovery, as well as rehabilitation, pain management. So I learned so much stuff like the guys from Barbell Medicine have great, um, insights into pain management because pain is sometimes a manifestation of something other than actually the injury itself. Um, so we see in like, you know, we see a very high prevalence of like disc herniations where there is no, um, there's no pain associated with it. But once someone becomes, um, I guess, notified about it. So say they go get an MRI now they, they suffer from pain when they didn't have it previously. So there is a psychology behind it. And that's something, you know, I've learned in nutrition, you know, for years, you know, Aaliyah Crum has these great studies on milkshakes where they essentially, um, it's, 
like how your perception can influence your physiology. So with the milkshake study, they did this intervention where um, they essentially took the same milkshake that was a 300 calorie milkshake and they just described it differently. So on, on one you know, course they had, this was a crossover design. So they had people come into a lab and they were told you're going to have um, you know, a healthy milkshake and it's going to be 140 calories, zero grams of fat. And you know, they had them drink the strawberry milkshake. And then in another you know, week later, they had them come back in and they had what was called a decadent milkshake. And this was supposed to be high fat and luscious and, you know, and, and really calorie packed and calorie dense. And they had all these descriptive words to really highlight the indulgence aspect. It was actually called indulgent and uh, it was labeled as over 600 calories. And it was you know, supposed to be so much better than the other ones. And what they did was they measured their ghrelin response, so essentially the hunger hormone. And they saw between the two, you know, these are the same exact individuals. And when they were given a milkshake, that was the same exact milkshake calorically, flavor-wise, everything. But what they were told about it was much different or how it was labeled. They actually got a much higher suppression of ghrelin, meaning they felt less hungry and overall more satiated or fuller from that shake. And now mind you, in both conditions, it was the exact same calorie allotment. So, you know, we have all these research studies. We have the same thing with diabetics and blood sugar manipulations where they tell someone that it's a high sugar, um, you know, meal as compared to a low, you know, a zero sugar meal and they have different blood glucose responses. It's the same thing with pain. So I feel like I was kind of like locked into that, having gotten, you know, a prognosis by a doctor and I was, you know, suffering quote unquote. And it's not to say I wasn't in pain, but really learning about the process has made me reframe how I look at these things. And as well as my approach to recovery, really, you know, doubling down on that. And then also, you know, we work with people from all different, you know, walks of life and they're going to, you know, encounter injuries. And I have had several clients that I've had surgery since then. And not only can I help them from the, you know, the aspect of physiology with their nutrition, with their training, how to dial in more recovery modalities and methods, but also from the psychology aspect, because this was the first time that I had a major surgery and I had to go so long without training. I mean, Jeff, before this, to be honest with you, the longest amount of time I had taken off from training since I was 15 years old was four days. So imagine that, you know, this was a massive change in my life, both physically and mentally. So I learned so much in the process and it also just reignited that appreciation for weight training and for the iron game. And, and I can't say that I've ever not appreciated it, but there are those days that you go in and you kind of drag yourself in. You're like, oh, I have to go through this workout and, and I'm on the last week of my mesocycle and I'm accumulating fatigue and you kind of dread it. And now now I go into the gym, even on the weeks that I'm taxed, like this past week, you know, last week, I was obviously at the last week of my mesocycle. I was starting to feel little signs of overreaching and, and accumulated fatigue, but I just remind myself, Hey man, it's a blessing to be here. And, and another thing for me is I train at 5am. So like motivation isn't really that high, but it's that I need to get it done. And this is a structure that I put in my day to be productive and to make sure that I get it done with when I have the time. And when my phone isn't going off or I don't have emails coming in, and there are times, I'm not going to lie to you, that I go in at 5 a.m. and I'm just, I'm not motivated to be there. And I don't believe that you should rely on motivation. Uh, it should be more of a discipline and more of a habitual practice. But now when I have those moments um, of weakness where I think, oh, maybe I should pack it in or, you know, I, I don't really want to go. When I wake up and I know I'm, it's a training day, I'm locked in. I'm appreciative. This is a blessing to be able to do this. And I go through it with a, a much different mindset. And that's applied to not only training, but all aspects of my life. So that's something that's helped me, but it's helped my clientele as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. And, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, people that, you know, see us in the fitness industry, they definitely think that like, we're just always motivated to train. And I'll tell you what, it definitely is not always there for sure. Um, you know, certain days too, like, for example, you know, when I got to go do legs, I'm a little less motivated to, to go train, but 
you know, I just kind of think of it at this point and it just to me is like something that I just do. And, and I know that if I don't get it done, like I'm going to feel worse if I don't get it done. So you just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a weird thing, but you just kind of go and get it done. Right. I mean, it's easier said than done, but I think you kind of develop that over time. Um, and two, like for me, when it comes to training and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, like I kind of always think about now, cause like there definitely are times where, like I said, I'm just not motivated to go train, but I always think about just like kind of practicing my craft almost in a way, like instead of like, I feel, I don't know if this is a switch that most people make, but like for me, training was like something that I did to like go and like look better and like try to do as much as I could in that session to now it's more like a kind of like a practice. And like, I'm just kind of perfecting my craft in a way every time I I go in there, uh, you know, and just like just figuring out how to do an exercise even better than I did in the past. Or, or like you said, just trying to progress the stimulus. Like you're always just kind of, perfecting your craft there. Is that kind of a mindset you have when you go into yeah, training honest, as well? Honestly, I can completely relate to that because I, I, one of my biggest focuses in life is self-mastery. So that doesn't mean just mastery of myself, but mastery of my knowledge, uh, mastery of the things that are passions of mine. So that includes coaching, that includes training, that includes my approach to nutrition and my mindset around it. And so with that, I really think that, you know, Going in and going through the daily disciplines, it's not only about checking off the boxes, but it's about the quality of that works. Like I mentioned with volume, my my mindset has shifted and I've never been like someone that was a hugely high volume advocate. I did what I needed to do to get results. But even with my clientele, I'm always focusing on quality over quantity. But this especially, it's kind of made me you know, take a couple steps back and realize, listen, you don't need to go for load progression every week. Let's master this movement. Let's let's execute as as well as possible. And the other thing about weight training that's incredible because even when I wasn't making progress in that initial rehabilitation period, you know, I wasn't seeing like a tangible result physically because my body was still, you know, obviously detrained. And so I was kind of just I'm reaccruing some muscle tissue, but it's not like I look better than I have previously. However, it was the fact that every day is an opportunity to make progress. And what I mean by that, it could be you executed rep one to rep 10 with the same rep cadence. And, and rep one looked the same as rep 10 and, and vice versa, except rep 10 was a lot slower. So obviously you you lost velocity. And it's like with training, I think the most beautiful thing about it, especially when you're someone that really believes in in a progressive stimulus as well as in standardizing movements. So utilizing the same movements. And I think this is something that a lot of people get away from. They kind of use these muscle confusion um, principles or they're chasing novelty. You know what I mean? They're constantly changing movements out and, and they're seeing progress, but it's almost like fake progress because it's pretty much just neural adaptation. So your body's just getting more used to those movements. So you're making progress week to week, but every four weeks, if you're changing something out, you're essentially just tricking yourself into progression. But when you've been utilizing movements for you know, right now, my training program, yeah, I had went back to a previous training program that I'd used previously, but the one that I'm using currently, last year, I used this before my injury for six months straight. So I know where my standardized metrics, I know my key performance indicators, but also right now I'm not chasing those loads. What I'm chasing is better execution, more quality per, per uh, set. And these are things that, you know, they might not seem like a lot to someone that's just starting out, but once you get more advanced and you have less gains physically to make, you know, you're closer to your genetic ceiling. It's like, let me see what I can get out of my body. Let me see the 1% increases that I can make, whether it be a rep per set or just a better execution. It's just all about that self-mastery, like you were saying, the mastery of the movements, mastery of your craft. And then also, what can I take out of this? What can I get not only from a physical aspect, but also from like a knowledge aspect? What can I apply to my clients? Like, what cues am I utilizing with myself that now I can pass on to someone else? So I always say, I want to learn more so I could serve more. And, and 
I also tell my clients, my goal is to bridge you know, information research to practical application. So I want to be able to take what I'm learning and then practically apply it to their progress and to their journeys to get them to their goals. So that's huge for me. And this entire process is really, um, this is something that's been in my mind for a long period of time, but it's really ingrained that into me, especially because when I did have a layoff, I had a lot more time to think. So it was like, I wasn't going through the movements. And when I got back to the gym, I'm like, listen, every set counts, every movement counts. Don't, you know, just don't spin your wheels and, and go through the, the, the um, actions and stuff. Cause a lot of people, they're just going through the, the, the motions essentially. And they kind of like check out mentally. And I think we're all susceptible to that. We're you know, low in motivation or high in stress some days, and we're not appreciating the process and we're giving our all to it. And when I go into the gym, it's early in the morning, I get locked in. I don't talk to anyone. You know, I, I, I'm very focused on what I need to do. And that's really allowed me to master both what I'm doing in the gym, but also how I'm applying it outside of the gym. Yeah, that's that's a really good point you bring up. And and real quick, we we were gonna bring up a topic before we kind of dove into like life lessons and for training and stuff. I th- I think this is probably a good segue into that, and we'll just kind of go from here. But one of the things that I was thinking of as you were saying this was like, you know, I, one thing that like I feel like you can carry over, and you can either use this for like while you're working out, or you can apply it to if maybe you have the working outside of things nailed down, you can apply it more to like your personal life or business or whatever it may be. But I think, you know, we, we were talking about like motivation and stuff like that. I think training can teach you to like, still do the things even like, even if you don't like, you don't want to do them, but you still know you need to do them. Right. And I think that that's a life lesson that you can take with you. Like, just because you don't want to Like, for example, today, like I had three sets of pendulum squats. I freaking did not want to do any of those. But my thought is like, (laughs) this is something that I can, you know, I just, once I do them, I feel much better. But also like, I think this is a good life lesson to where like, if you don't feel like you want to do it, you just got to make yourself do it and you feel better. And it's probably better for you long-term if you go and do that thing. hundred percent. I always think about it as, you know, deposits of pennies in the progress bank. And the reason I say pennies is because it's these little things, but they add up eventually. So generally when we're going through the action, you're going through those sets. You're like, does it make a difference if I do three or a cop out and do two? And I often have clients, you know, we'll have this discussion. I'm like, listen, every little movement, every little set, you know, it adds up and it's going to have a compounding effect, not only on your results in the gym, but when you're able to push yourself, when you didn't want to, that's going to transfer outside of the gym. That's going to transfer into business, into relationships. There are going to be uncomfortable situations that you're in that you don't want to go through and you, you want to turn back and, and just avoid or neglect. And what you've done in the gym and the mental fortitude that you've created within there and the discipline and the determination that you learn through your training and going through those hard sessions that are grinding and grueling are going to be applicable if you let them be. So I, I know a lot of people that are wildly successful within their physique endeavors. They're great competitors or they're great bodybuilders. You know, I, I'm fortunate to know a lot of pro bodybuilders, but some of them, you know, it's, it's kind of one, you know, with most things in fitness, it's one end of the spectrum or, or another, they're on one side of the pendulum or the exact opposite. And those that are able to take that work ethic that they've developed and that they um, utilize every single day in the gym and they apply it to other aspects of life, they're wildly successful. They're great in business. They have great relationships. Their multitasking abilities are, are something that I find extremely impressive. And those that I, I try to surround myself with are those that are trying to do more than just build their body. They're trying to build their lives and really apply the principles that they've learned within their training to other aspects. Because I think we all started at a young period in our lives. Like I started training at like 14 or 15. And so it was early on. So a lot of the things that I was, you know, uh, ingraining or that I was learning within the gym, it wasn't directly, you know, applicable to anything else in school. 
And yeah. I did apply it to school. However, as I've gotten older and I've developed businesses and I've been in, in corporate America as well as you know run my own coaching business for the last almost almost a decade at this point, it's stuff that I learned in the gym that now I utilize. These are skills that I might not have had. And I always look back and I'm like, thank God I found training because I, I honestly don't know where I'd be. I, I wonder oftentimes, and I know that this is my life's passion first and foremost. And I really, you know, I'm, I'm just very fortunate and, and grateful that I did find this and that I stuck with it and that, you know, um, it was something that really had a positive impact in my life. And it's allowed me to have a positive impact on others' lives. So, you know, I often speak about like something called the, the ripple effect of coaching. And it's not only like what you do with your clients, but it's like, what impact did my words, my actions, me caring for this client have on the people that they're around, their family, their friends? You know, I, I work with a lot of coaches. I mentor coaches as well as I work with a lot of uh, coaches as, as clients. And I know that I'm having a ripple effect. So it doesn't matter that I'm just, you know, I might work with a, a group of people. I can't work with everyone, but I have a you know a limited roster. But I'm not just impacting, you know, those couple dozen, you know, uh, clients of mine, I'm impacting hundreds because they're impacting people. And then all the podcasts that you and I put out or that, you know, we put out in general, all the content, we're having a ripple effect. And there's this domino effect where we're impacting lives that, of people we don't even know. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's one aspect of fitness that I really love. And, you know, it's one thing, you know, social media, a lot of times people will highlight the bad about it. And I do think there are some, some negatives associated with it, but I also think that's a beautiful thing because, if, if not for fitness, we wouldn't be able to impact people that are all around the world. Like I have clients in, in all different countries, you know what I mean? And I would have never been able to reach them or I would have never been able to communicate with them or help them or work with them if it wasn't for things like social media or putting myself out there and really trying to have a positive impact on people that, you know, I'm not even working with directly, but later on down the road, they contacted me after listening to a bunch of podcasts I was on, or, you know, it's a beautiful thing, like what you learn in the gym and it's not only benefiting yourself. So that mastery of yourself in the gym, when you're pushing yourself, Jeff, you're not just helping yourself. You're not just benefiting physically and mentally for yourself. You're benefiting for your clients, for your friends, for your girlfriend, for everyone around you. So it's, it's honestly a process that's it's never ending. And that's why lifting is a lifelong game, man. And that's why I'm very much into the process and really trying to take as many practical applications out of my training and applying it to life. Yeah, no, I love that, man. And, and I think that when, when a lot of people get into fitness and, you know, just trying to prove, I think most people get into it because they, you know, they want to look better. Right. And, and that's definitely a goal, but I do think that at some point, like it definitely becomes more than that. And that's something that you can't really like, like teach people. Right. I think like, that's kind of my goal with, with coaching clients is obviously, and I'm sure you're the same way. Like the main goal obviously is, Hey, let's get you results. That's why you came. But really like my, my job, like I feel like is to just keep them going and to like, keep just kind of pushing them to make sure that they can like kind of get this like compounding effect of fitness, which again is more than just looks right. It's, it, it goes way deeper than 100%. that. And, and I think that that's something that, again, you can't really like preach beforehand. It just kind of something that has to happen. So like, for me, my goal with clients is always to get them, get them to that point. I feel like to where it's like, you know, this is just what you do. And, and you, and you realize the benefits of how it just makes everything else you do better. Um, not everybody gets there, but you know, the people that do it, it is very, um, uh, satisfying and, and, and it, it definitely am grateful that I am able to, uh, to do that. 
100%. I always say nowadays, you know, when I first started coaching, it was early on, it was, you know, 2013, you know, men's physique had just started and I was working with a lot of competitors. And at that point, what I was looking for with the clients that I worked with was hundred percent physique transformations. People came to me, they had a physical goal and that's what we worked on. That's what I got them to. So it was before and afters. It was, let's see what I can get them in eight to 12 weeks. Because at that point, that was kind of the industry standard as terms of a prep. So for anyone out there that doesn't know, like, we used to just compress these preps in the eight to 12 weeks. It wasn't the best approach, but that was industry standard. However, yeah. nowadays, like, like I said, I'm nine years into coaching. And what I'm looking to do is life transformations. I'm trying to integrate fitness as a part of lifestyle. You know, this past weekend, I traveled up to Long Island uh, to visit one of my long-term clients who's an IFBB pro. And, and our goal for this year is to get him back on the Olympia stage. He has been at the Olympia previously. He's a men's physique competitor. We've done several pro shows, but we've actually taken off since 2020, just went through different building phases and and mini cut phases and really had a phasic approach. And it's been all with the intention of 2022 was the year of him getting back on stage. And we're just finishing up a primer phase. Now it's actually this week is his last week of active recovery. And then, you know, done with the primer phase. So we met up and we went over his goals, but it wasn't just his goals in the gym. It wasn't just his goals with competing. It was his goals in business. It was his goals in life. It was lining up his, his, relationship with his girlfriend. It was going to meet with his meal prep company to make sure everything in advance is going to be allocated and accounted for. And that I always remind him, and I remind this to all my competitors, but especially him, because he's at a much higher level than, than many of us will ever get. I always tell him bodybuilding is a part of your life. It is not your life, but you want to integrate this into your lifestyle and allow the things that you've learned from bodybuilding, the habits we've cemented, the behaviors we've changed, and you apply that to everything else. And you'll be just as successful as you've been on the stage. And that's something that he often, you know, many of my clients will often tell me, you kind of changed my mindset on nutrition. You've changed my mindset on, you know, fitness, on, you know, recovery and rest and all these things, because I often find that it's really hard to be balanced in fitness. And I'm not saying that that's like, that's a pipe dream. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to be completely balanced if you really want to be good at something, but you also can't let it become something that is all encompassing and yeah. takes over your life. It should, I always say like fitness should add to your life, not take away from it. And I find that a lot of people that do get burnt out and that they don't stay in this, whether it be from a career aspect or I've known many personal trainers that haven't lasted more than a few years and they make it their life. And then they get burnt out because they're really not passionate about it or they were passionate about it and they lost their passion for it. So it's about integrating it and really learning and benefiting from it and, and taking the good with the bad. Obviously there's ups and downs, but at the same time, you don't want to make it such, um, you don't want to be so dependent on this, that it's, it's everything for you. You live or die by your progress in the gym or by how your physique looks and things of that sort. And that's why I'm really looking for life transformations. I'm looking to help people level up their physique, their confidence, um, you know, their cognition, their productivity, their relationships, all these things, their stress management, their sleep quality. I, I want them to live a better life in a better body. Like I, I want them to have a better quality of life and a body they love, but it's not just about the body you love because I'll tell you, I've, I've coached many clients over the years, you know, especially competitors. I've known many top level physique competitors as well as fitness models. They look incredible, but they're really unhappy people. So like my whole goal is, yeah, I want you to look great, but I don't want you to hate your life in the process. Like there are going to be times during a contest prep where it sucks. You're in a deficit. Like you're dragging ass. It's not, you know, there's a lot of drawbacks to prep, but this is a temporary situation. However, if you're living life like that 365, we need to rethink what you're doing because that is not a long-term play, nor is that something that's going to be sustainable where you're even going to want to do that a year, two years down the road. Yeah, man, there are lots to unpack there. I, I think, I, I agree. I, I think that like when it comes to, man, I had a really good thought that I wanted to, uh, talk about here and it's, it's, it's slipping away, I think, cause I'm overthinking it here, but, but I had a really good thought. Um, 
okay. So this is what it was. So basically like, like you talked about, like overall health, I think is super important and something people don't think about because even like, if something is really lacking, like, I feel like you're not going to be your best at like, for example, building your body. If something like, again, it's overtaking your life and you know, if something else suffers, right. You always say, you know, a healthy body is a responsive body. And I feel like part of that 100%. is making sure that like, you're still enjoying things outside of, of fitness too. And, and like you said, if you go too far, like for example, people that, that do prep, like if that takes it too far, like your relationship starts to suffer, your job suffers, like everything suffers. It's like, it, I mean, you're probably not going to be your best at that. Right. Or you're not going to have your best physique or whatever it may be. Um, you know, and, and I think, like you said, that's where people get themselves in trouble. And then two, this is, I'm the same as you. And like, I, I, I want to make sure that, you know, when I think, you know, with the gen pop, like when you first start working with them and maybe even I'm sure honestly competitors too, I shouldn't just say gen pop. Like even when you work with competitors too, I'm sure it's the same way, but like when they first get started, they're super like gung ho, like I want to do this, this, and this. And you're like, that's awesome. And like, you try to, you know, work with them on that. But also at the same time, you're kind of like, let's, let's slow the brakes a little bit here. And like, let's, you know, make sure that, Hey, what we're doing is going to be sustainable and not just something that lasts for a couple of weeks. Cause I, I, I just sometimes, I don't know if you notice this, but sometimes you get those clients that are like super motivated to start and they want to do this and that and this. And, and it's just like, those are usually the ones that I feel like get burnt out, like within the first couple of weeks of, of training. And so I'm always like, again, we always want to push our clients and we don't want to like say, Hey, let's just take it easy and not try to get you results. But at the same time, it's like, we also want to make sure that we're not, like you said, going too far in the one direction to where it's going to, you're going to see other things suffering because those things are suffering eventually your fitness or nutrition and overall health is eventually going to suffer as well. No, absolutely. And, and at this point, you know, I've worked with so many clients that I kind of take a different approach. And, and at that, at times that loses me from getting new potential clients because they come to me and they're super motivated, like you're saying, and what they want and what they need are two different things. So always what I do at the initial consultation that I have with someone, I do a needs analysis. What does this person need compared to what this person wants? So say, for instance, I'll give you a perfect example. This weekend, I had a consultation with a guy who wanted to go into a fat loss phase. And his main focus, he really wanted to do body recomposition, but it wasn't feasible. He's been training 12 years. He's very experienced. Um, and it just, you know, we had to be realistic. So I spoke with him. I said, listen, for you to build muscle in the deficit, is it possible? Yes. However, at your level of advancement, where you're at compared to where you started, you know, he's gained about 40 pounds of tissue in his time training. So this is an advanced athlete. The likelihood of you going and, and utilizing body, re, you know, having a successful body recomp phase is not that high. And he's not at a high percent of body fat. I would, I would estimate him between 15 and 16. So it's not like we have a ton of body fat stores to liberate and really build tissue from if we were to go into a deficit. But then, you know, I asked him, I said, listen, I would like to see your most recent blood work. Luckily he had some from, from January. So it was, you know, quite recent. And so I looked over and I said, listen, you have all these indications of insulin resistance and he's, he's been eating at maintenance. So he hasn't gained weight in the last couple of months. I looked at all his food logs and so that shows me that he's having cortisol or stress-induced insulin resistance. We spoke about his life. Right now, he's in a period of his life where business has really taken off. Uh, he has a very long commute every day. So he's commuting up to three hours per day, usually one and a half hours each way. On the lowest um, traffic day, he's commuting two hours. Guy's super stressed, just had a kid recently. So he has all these life stressors. But in his mind, he wants to get locked in because he used to compete years ago. And he really wants to get locked into this process because, you know, he's, he told me, listen, I was so much more productive during preps. He taught me you know, uh, time management skills, but he doesn't have stress management skills. So that's really where I focused in on. I said, listen, we need to go into a primer phase. 
you know, I, I said the same thing that I've told you and I tell many others, a healthy body is a responsive body. So if right now your body is not accepting nutrients at maintenance and your stress going into an energy deficit, your body perceives stress as stress. So it's going to have this, uh, you know, very high likelihood of adapting very quickly. So we're going to have to push really hard just to get fat loss going. And so with that, you're going to be putting yourself at, um, you know, a ba- in a bad position. You know, you're not setting yourself up to succeed. So throughout the course of our consultation, obviously, you know, I went over the process that I used within a primer phase, but he's not getting what he wants. But this is going to potentiate him for the next phase where he will get what he wants because he'll get better results that are more sustainable and he won't you know, he'll have learned um, skills in the process. So I went over, you know, his previous prep process and pretty much what he went through, what he's been doing fitness wise. And he's has experience, but he doesn't have good habits. So where I need to focus on in this primary phase, besides, you know, bringing down his uh, hemoglobin A1C, his fasting insulin, as well as his fasted blood glucose and, and some other metrics, his aerobic fitness is, is pretty poor. So I'm trying to bring down his resting heart rate, but that's also elevated because he's sympathetic dominant. He's super stressed. So I need to work on stress management, health markers and internal health so that his physiology is put in a more advantageous position so that when we do go into a fat loss phase and we push things to get to sub 10% body fat, which is this individual's goal, he's going to be more responsive to the, the inputs of you know a calorie deficit and to the training that we do and to the cardio and to the activity. And he's going to be more resilient. So I told him, listen, we're building resilience now to potentiate and to set you up for success later. So yes, he's motivated right now. And honestly, when I told him about the primer phase, he didn't, he wasn't that motivated. He was like, listen, you know, I really, I want to get it done. You know, I I think that in 12 weeks I could be in really good shape. I have a vacation coming up this, that, and the other. And I said, listen, I can get you to in shape in 12 weeks. And it's going to be a hell of a process. I I don't want to come off negatively, but I'm not going to. So if that's your intention, if you just, I said, I don't care about where you are in 12 weeks. I care about where you are in 12 months. So if your intention is you just want to diet and you want to go all in and you don't care what happens after, I'm just not the coach for you. So I could have leveraged that motivation and I've lost some of his motivation going to the primer phase because we're not doing exactly what he wants. We're not losing fat off the bat and we're not focused directly on physique composition uh, improvements. However, ultimately, this is what's going to you know, allow him to create a sustainable lifestyle, build the habits and modify his behaviors to have long-term results as well as respond better to the program. So and I told him, I said, listen, I can give you dozens of examples of people. And I sent him some of my clients and I also had him reach out to several of my clients that I've went through a primer phase and who I've told, you know, I've told them things that they didn't want to hear. Listen, your health is in the gutters. Like you're coming to me in a really bad place. I can't give you the result you want it would compromise your health all the more. And I'm not willing to do that. Maybe some other run of the mill coach will, but that's, that's not my, that's not my ethic. That's not my, in my ethics or my code, you know, my moral code. So I'm not going to do that. You, you can see someone else and they went through the process and they weren't as motivated at first, but I'll tell you their motivation reignited when they realized that when they started a fat loss process, that it was a lot easier, quote unquote, you know what I mean? They were more responsive to what we were doing and they didn't suffer as much as well as we had ingrained all these habits for the previous 12 or 16 weeks of this primer phase where they were ready to go into these things. And it wasn't as much of like this switch. And that's really what happens with a lot of people that rely on motivation is that they, they try to flip a switch. And what I try to get my clients to realize is I want you to have a dimmer. I want to be able to turn up the dimmer in times that we're really trying to progress and turn down the dimmer switch in terms of the times that you have high stress or you have things going on in life or in business or in your relationships. It shouldn't be this on and off mentality because that's why we have 
so much dichotomous thinking within fitness. You're either, you know, training at max volume or you're, you're not training at all. You're either, you know, going through an aggressive deficit or you're binging. It's, it's all these, you know, it's either on, on plan meals or off plan meals. It's all either good food or bad food. It's all these dichotomous relationships. And I'm really just trying to stay, you know, in the middle and say, listen, we have to utilize everything within balance and, and nothing is inherently bad. It's the, de- you know, the devil's in the dose. Yeah. It's always, <laughs> I, I, I always hate those questions that are like, is this good or is this bad? It's like, oh man, that's, it's, you know, you don't want to sit there and like explain, you know, why, but it's like, oh man, these are just like such hard questions to answer because it really is, it's, it's more than just yes or no. But, but I think that's the, unfortunately, I think sometimes the way people ask you questions are kind of based on what they, those are kind of the answers they want, right? Like they want yes or no, they want, you know, and uh, it, unfortunately it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Right. Like you said, the, the devil's in the dose. And, you know, I see this a lot too with like, you know, when people demonize food, right. Like for example, sugar. So like anytime somebody sees something that has sugar in it, it's like, that's bad, but it's like, we can't think like that because you just have like, for example, 15, 20 grams of sugar. Like that's not bad. Right. I mean, but it becomes an issue when like everything you're eating has sugar in it. You start to get to super high levels. Right. Or maybe you have some type of issue with sugar where you have a little bit more and it does cause some potential issues. I think like you said, for you, I know that you, you kind of get some GI distress when you have a little bit too much sugar. So maybe you have that, but you know, just saying something's bad because it has a certain type of food in it or ingredient or something. Again, we need more information than just that. Right. It's not just it being bad that, that one time. Um, and it does get people into trouble when it comes to, especially nutrition, I think fitness or training, maybe not as much, but I think with nutrition, it really gets people into trouble because as you know, I mean, we're just bombarded with nutrition, like choices all day long, you know, like you're, I mean, literally all day long, you're, you're, you have to make a choice when it comes to nutrition. Right. And so I think that's where like getting people away from this black or white thinking from, nutrition can be super helpful. And again, the cool thing with that is that does translate into everything that you do as well, right? Like instead of thinking certain things are good or bad, it really just all depends on the situation and you just need more context than in that too. So I'm curious, uh, you know, we, I know our main kind of topic that we wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, life lessons. So I feel like we've been doing a pretty good job of that. So one, I kind of want to switch over to like the, competing bodybuilding side just for a little bit, just because you've competed before I've competed before I made a, um, a blog post and I did an episode uh, recently on like just life lessons from, from bodybuilding. And I want to bring another like, uh, competitor on to talk about this just because like, you know, as you know, like I, it gets a bad rap in the, in the fitness industry. Right. I think again, this is where black or white thinking is bad. (laughs) And this is kind of funny that we can kind of tie this into this, this topic, but you know, the, the kind of the perception of like bodybuilding is like, oh, it's just, you know, uh, OCD, like narcissism, food disorders, poor relationship, like drug abuse, um, you know, and, and I think that there is some of that in the industry, right? Like there definitely is. And I do think that people definitely compete for the wrong reasons, but I also feel like there is a lot of good that can come from it as well, especially if you do it for, for the right reason. So I just kind of wanted to, um, get a few thoughts from you and maybe you can, you can talk about what I just talked about there, maybe in terms of the perception of bodybuilding, and then also maybe go into a couple life lessons that you, um, have learned from, from competing and maybe even just coaching clients that compete as well. So, uh, I think bodybuilding and fitness in, in general, honestly, I don't want to just make this about bodybuilding. Obviously we'll touch on that because you and I both have experience with that. Like I've mentioned before, I've competed 15 times and it, it has had great positive impacts on my physique 
on my knowledge, but also on my life in general and how I approach different aspects of my life. And it's really, um, when I started competing, it really changed the trajectory of how I approached my career, my relationships, my time management skills. And I think the biggest thing about bodybuilding, and just from a fundamental level, that everyone out there, if you guys haven't competed, realize that bodybuilding is a lifestyle. So the biggest thing that I wanted people to get from that is just like you don't make a life for yourself overnight, like you're not at your goal career in a short period of time, or you don't have the best relationship in the world overnight. You don't create a great physique overnight. And I think that's the biggest thing with bodybuilding is that it teaches you that this is a long-term process. And for me, like when I first started competing, actually, even prior to that, like when I first started training and got into bodybuilding, you know, I was following the magazines and this was before social media or any of that stuff. Um, I was very fortunate. I actually went to a bodybuilding gym initially. So I kind of had myself in an environment where that was very prevalent. But at that time, there's no men's physique. There was um, no classes, honestly, but men's bodybuilding, women's bodybuilding. And a few years later, figure came out. Um, but in that time, I encountered like a lot of great mentors who had spent, honestly, dozens of years, you know, decades in the trenches, had spent had done dozens of shows. And one of the main things that they impressed upon me was that I wasn't going to create a great physique overnight. And so like from the outset of my training, I realized that this was a process that you need to invest into. So that's a big thing with bodybuilding. When people invest into fitness, you know, sometimes they're looking for these like eight week fixes or these shortcuts or just trying to lose fat. When you engage in the sport of bodybuilding, it's much different because it's not just a fat loss contest. It's a muscularity contest. So you need to build your body first. It's not like for general fitness, you can improve. Like we see there's a, a meta-analysis by NAUD and it always sticks out to me because 95% of the improvements from like health improvements from diet just come from being in a deficit and losing body fat. But the same things can't be said about, you know, bodybuilding because you need to build yourself and then kind of, a, you're like a sculpture. And so uh, I'll share some insight. Like one of the first things that a competitive bodybuilder yeah, ever told me um, really stuck out to me. So, you know, when we're early on in our training careers, like I'm sure Jeff, you wondered the same, like I wanted to know what was my potential in this sport and what he, you know, what he told me, and I, this has always stuck with me is that none of us know how well we can do or, you know, how, you know, how well our physique will develop until we spend a decade pushing ourselves and doing things right. Um, and this is something that always stayed with me because from the outset of my training, I knew this was at least a 10 year process. Like this was investment. And so, especially then, like there was no social media. So had I, you know, been 10 or 15 years older and I already had social media, it might've changed my perception about things because I might've assumed that results would or should happen quicker than they did. And had I not seen them early on, you know, based on these false expectations, I may have gotten discouraged. Uh, or not stayed with my training, um, which would have completely altered like the course of my health, uh, my mindset, my career, and my life in total. And what makes bodybuilding unique and different than other sports is that it's truly a lifestyle, which you need to invest your all into. And it doesn't stop once you exit the gym doors. So other like with other sports, like I've, I've trained many other uh, athletes. And besides like a few uh, different disciplines, like MMA is something that I, I find to be a 24-hour job. I've worked with several MMA competitors. And that's when they're competitive, like that is an all-encompassing uh, type of um, you know sport, kind of like bodybuilding is. But there's a list, like with bodybuilding, there's a list of daily tasks that you need to get done in addition to all your other tasks in life. But this allows you to get these daily wins and also teaches you that little things matter and compound over time. So one of the biggest things I got from bodybuilding, like from a, a character building perspective, was the dedication and discipline I learned and developed in the gym with my training and like the diligence and attention to detail that I developed learning about nutrition and improving my nutrition to better my, my physique. 
undoubtedly led me to applying that to all other aspects of my life. And it's also opened up so many opportunities to me that I may have not gotten had I not cultivated that type of work ethic I have through my training, but specifically through bodybuilding, because we can all go in the gym and apply ourselves and and go through the, the motions. But when you're competing, when you're getting ready for to get on stage, you're realizing you're being judged by you know, a a panel of seven other strangers. And not only does that drive you, and and I'm not saying this for people to, you know, we all have our own um, motivations. We all have our own, um, you know, goals. However, like realize that if you're going to compete, you should want to be competitive. That's a big thing. Anytime an athlete comes to me, I'm not telling them that they have to win, but I'm telling you, you have to give your all because we need to be competitive. If if you're not going to go into the mindset that you want to do your best, and especially if you're a competitor, I work with a lot of experienced competitors. If you're not trying to beat the previous version of yourself, let's not do it because this isn't like, I don't want to say it's all or nothing, but bodybuilding is something that it requires all of you. And these are skills that I'm not saying that they're sustainable long-term, but you can take some of those applications and, and that that focus and that discipline that you applied to 12, 16, 20 week prep and apply that to other aspects of your life and be wildly successful. But when you are going with the intention of bodybuilding as a competitive endeavor, you need to lock yourself in. So, you know, there's been a variety of things that I've learned from, you know, competing, from fitness, from training in general. Like, for instance, like one of the number one things that it helped me with was applying myself. And this is something that I find, you know, I, you know, have a lot of adults that are um, the lifestyle clients and stuff, and they never competed in something. They didn't do sports. They've never, you know, done a fitness competition. They've really never done anything that was competitive with themselves or with others. And the best thing about bodybuilding is, yes, you're competing against others, but you are in a competition with yourself. Every day, you're trying to look 1% better. You're looking at your progress picture, analyzing data, and you're realizing that, you know, or you should realize, and this is where the sport could get a little bit, um, maybe not the, the most positive aspect is that people do get a little too locked into who they're competing against. Yeah. And, and that's something that could have deleterious effects on your, the, the way you approach the process, as well as like your mindset or your, your perspective on it. But ultimately you only can beat yourself. You can't, you can't control someone else's prep. You can't control someone else's genetics, their shape, their structure, none of those things. You can only control what you're doing on a daily basis. And if you're checking off the boxes to be the best version of yourself. So one of the biggest things I learned from bodybuilding was applying myself. And when I say applying myself, not just going through the motions, it's, it's applying and giving your all. Um, and I'll tell you personally, like I had an obsessive personality since I was a kid, but I also had ADD. So I had a really hard time concentrating growing up. And this was an interesting mix because when I got locked into something, I was really good at that. That was the only thing I could really, you know, focus on. But how I developed that was through through training. Like I've been able to develop an ability to lock in and become more focused, whether it's on continuing education or even like when I was in high school and college. The reason I was able to develop that was because I learned that through my training. I realized I can't get distracted. I need to be focused and give my attention to this one singular task and getting better at that. And then I could you know, get distracted in life and, and go through the rest of the process. But I, I found that as I got deeper into training, especially growing up, that I took my passion for learning and intellectual curiosity. Like I was always like pretty scholastically inclined. And, you know, when I was in high school and I was able to leverage that to learn more, which helped me, you know, not only make more progress, but actually understand why certain training and nutrition approaches worked and why others I had tried early on didn't, which really helped me in competitive bodybuilding. Because when I first started competing, there wasn't the information age that there is now. And there wasn't, you know, evidence-based fitness was kind of in its infancy. And also there weren't like as many high-level coaches as there were now. So 
you know, my initial preps, I did it my own and it was a self-experimentation process. I, you know, I was learning through forums and I was learning through, you know, other mentors, but I didn't have someone that walked me through the process. So there was a lot of trial and error. And then I'm also, you know, being someone that was, uh, I guess, scientifically curious, I'm looking at different mechanisms. So I remember like my first show, everyone was cutting water. And, you know, I'm sure Jeff, you remember that that was really prominent cutting sodium, cutting water. And that just didn't make sense to me from a physiological aspect. You know, they were, you know, utilizing like diuretics and things of that sort. And that was something that like, it just didn't make sense as to how that would yield a better result. And so I didn't do those things. But the only reason I didn't do those things was because A, I I didn't want to take the risk and B, I had that intellectual curiosity to go along with being willing to try things in the trenches. So there were things that I tried that I failed at that were ineffective because there wasn't research or there wasn't insight and information about them. But the things that we did have information on, I was able to take. And so I kind of combined intellectual curiosity with anecdotal experience. And that's what really, you know, founded the foundation to my coaching because I was taking what I was learning in school and through research and through courses. And then I was also combining it with the things I was doing with myself. And then at the time with my in-person training clients, and then eventually with online clients. And um, so that was one thing It really helped me apply myself both, you know, in terms of my physical capacity, but also my mental capacity. Um, another thing that taught me that effort pays off. So this was huge for me. You know, there's a lot of things in life that are really genetically predetermined. And I'm not going to say that bodybuilding isn't one of them. You're, you can't control your structure. You can't control your shape, but you can control how much effort you put into the gym. And a lot of times, the more effort that you put into something, whether that be your training or your nutrition, or even like your education and coaching, for instance, like for you and I, this is perfect. Your, your effort that you put towards these endeavors, the more you learn about it and the more you improve in terms of your physique your ability to acquire and disseminate information and how you're able to apply that information to yourself and to others. And so, you know, I've really taken on this, you know, ideology or this, this mentality that what I've, you know, learned in terms of effort paying off within the gym and within competing, because the more effort I put in, the better I did, the more shows I want. Um, and it wasn't always like this linear progression. That's another thing bodybuilding taught me. It's not like you're constantly going to make progress. You could show up as a better version of yourself and still lose because you can't control who's around on the day, but as long as you gave your best effort, you improved. And, and that ultimately should be what it's all about. But you know, the effort component, it really taught me that the more I put into something, generally the more I get out. So the, the more that I gave to my clients, the better results they got and the more referrals they sent me, or the more I learned uh, to care about my, my competitors because I was on the other side of the equation. I knew what it was like to work with contest prep coaches that didn't answer me or didn't care, you know, especially about my health. So I had multiple health scares early on that really kind of formulated this health-centric coaching model that I, I utilize now. And so the more I learned about that and the more effort I put into to them or even into things like social media, the more rewards I got from it, both from an intrinsic perspective, like more rewarding internally, like from a, a fulfilling aspect, but also the better results I got with getting more clients, getting better results with clients, getting better results with myself and feeling more fulfilled in the process. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I agree with with all those and, and a lot to uncover there. So let me let me kind of talk about a few things that kind of stuck out to me that, that I want to hit on. The first was, you know, in terms of, and this doesn't really necessarily have to do with any life lesson, but I feel like a lot of people do get into it, into this to just get in better shape. And that's, I think that's a big mistake people make, right? Like you, like you said to yourself, like you knew this was going to be a long-term type thing. And again, I think if you just go into it, like, just trying to like get in shape 
you're kind of already off on the, on the wrong foot there with it. Right. Because there's other ways to do it. Um, so I think kind of figuring out, you know, just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Right. And not necessarily to like get in shape and like, don't think that you're all of a sudden going to be like, you know, the top bodybuilder or top bikini competitor because you're doing a, a show. Cause I think that's where people probably get in themselves into trouble in terms of like the, the methods that they use and, and things like that. Now, the other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, you kind of talked about like the little things adding up and, and that's a big one too, for me that I did want to hit on, because again, I think this really is something that you can apply with anything in life. I think a lot of times, and I used to fall into this trap too, where like in your mind, you want to say you want to get to this point. And so like, you just, you say you want to do it. And then all of a sudden you just think like, there's going to be this big change. And then you're all of a sudden going to be there, but really that from where you are now to where you want to go, like in between there, it's just a bunch of like small decisions that literally you just have to make all the time. And that's where people get themselves into trouble, right? That's where they like, for example, and this was something that I, I, I brought up in, in my blog and, and in the podcast was like, it's, it's doing those small things daily. And, and then like doing those things consistently and being patient, that's where you're going to see the most process. Like, for example, with bodybuilding, you're not going to get shredded by doing things you want to do every day. And then all of a sudden you just get shredded, right? Like you have to make these small choices and sacrifices day over day, week over week. And then you have to stick with them. Like, for example, um, you know, not having drinks with friends or something like that, or like maybe you don't want to get steps in that day because it's cold out and you had a bad day. And that's kind of like you're, you can make that choice. Now, if you either go and do it during that time, or you take the easy route and like, just go and watch Netflix, right? Like those are, I feel like the decisions that people, overlook, you know what I mean? Like they, they overlook those small decisions when really those are, that's it right there. No, hundred percent. I think the best thing about, especially competing. So fitness in general, a lot of us set goals, but there isn't a timeline. And often I like that about fitness because sometimes I'm trying to really work on like the habitual aspect and behavior modification aspect with my clients. And so I like a longer timeline where they're not just dead set on getting shredded in six weeks because when they don't get there, in that time because they're not willing to make the sacrifices or they're not willing to model their life in a manner that wouldn't, you know, that is necessitated to get to their, their goal. So a lot of times what I, I notice, especially with like lifestyle clients is that their goals, A, are sometimes unrealistic, but also their goals and the lifestyle that they want to live don't match with one another. Right. So they're, yeah. So they're unable to, or they, they don't have the desire to do the things necessary to get to where they want to be, but they still want that goal. So they think that like they don't see the correlation between the two. So I really try to peel things back and, and really be realistic with people about what results they can expect, but also the process that it will take. And if you want to take a slower process, by all means, I'm, I'm open. You know, I believe in principles, not protocols. So it's it's we're going to take um, a, an approach that's most sustainable for you. But when it comes to bodybuilding, one of the biggest things is you set you know a timeline, and especially like. When I first started competing, there wasn't a lot of competitions, especially in my area. So it was like, there was one competition per month. So if you didn't hit it, then it was like, you didn't have an opportunity every weekend of the year. And now it's, it's a much different opportunity. Like when I set, you know, I work backwards in terms of my contest prep with my own clients. So I will set a time period in which I think they'll be ready. So say that 16 to 20 weeks, I will set a show date, you know, within that 16 to 20 week bracket out where we have um, a multitude. We have a variety of shows to choose from, which are in their region. And luckily, you know, being in the Northeast, I'm near New York. So this is an area that has a lot of shows, you know, in this day and age. 
So we're able to say, listen, if you're ready, you know, in 16 weeks, we'll do that first show. And then, you know, we'll work towards getting better at the subsequent shows. But if you're not ready, I'm not putting you on stage, but they still have a pretty, it, it's a time compressed goal. So it's something that we're driving towards and they're aware. And I make them aware that, especially if they're a first time competitor, I really try to drive this home. Every single day counts. So if you have 16 weeks, every single day of those 16 weeks counts because you might think that you're giving yourself a break or that it's not, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's, you're 12 weeks out. It doesn't matter if I cheat on my, my, um, you know, my diet or it's 12 weeks out. It doesn't matter if I, I skip my cardio. And it's not that that will have such a detrimental effect in the here and now. It's that you, it not only affects you physically, because if you do have a blood meal, it could really affect things. It could put you in a surplus and cause some fat gain and things of that sort. But it's also the mental aspect. Once you break, and you don't follow the daily disciplines needed to get to your goal, you think that's acceptable. And that's in all aspects of life. So once you've cheated on someone, you know, and they've, they've forgiven you, sometimes, you know, those people, unfortunately, they take advantage of that. And they think that it's, yeah. almost, you know, that their, their um, actions and their habits are, are, you know, you know, appropriate, which are not. So it's really about getting to the mindset. There's an end date and every single day adds up and either, Every day can be a day of an investment day, meaning that you got closer to your goal, or it could be, you know, withdrawal day where you essentially, you didn't get closer to your goal and it kind of took you a little bit further away. So we can either make one step forward in terms of progression or one step back. And it's all determined on your actions, your behaviors, and your habits. And that was a really big thing with bodybuilding because, you know, preps really taught me that every single day counted and I've applied that to every other aspect of my life. So I, you know, early on, like when I was in high school and stuff, like, I might've been a little bit of a procrastinator. I thought that I did well under stress or under high pressure. And it wasn't that I did well under high pressure or stress uh, or stress or pressure. It was that I had an ND and I would wait till the day before an assignment. And then I would cram and I'd get it done. And in my mind, I said, well, I got it done. I still did well. And so it was validation that I was good under pressure, but I wasn't. Had I taken my time and as I did in college where I would do things in advance, I was more than prepared and did even better on those days that things were due. The same thing happened with bodybuilding. I realized I kind of get into the mindset that I never wanted to get on stage and think to myself, did I give my all or did I slack on whether it be a day, a week, whatever it may be. I always wanted to be able to go and present the best version of myself, knowing that I'd done every single thing possible to get better within, within reason. You know, things come up and you have family, um, you know, emergencies and you have different life stresses and, and, you know, you have children and all these different aspects. And these are things that I, I work very closely with my clients to auto-regulate the program. But at the same time, if you have the opportunity to do something that's within your program, that's going to get you better for your end goal, execute. And that's the biggest thing with bodybuilding. It's all about execution and really thinking about the timeline and also looking ahead at something. That's a lot of times I find a lot of people they're living in the past, like, you know, especially like lifestyle clients that don't have this, you know, aspect of, of their personality having been ingrained by bodybuilding, they're they're living in things that they've done previously instead of looking forward to things that they want to accomplish in the future. And that was a big thing with bodybuilding. It taught me like to really dig into a process because with the show prep, especially, it teaches you. It really is about the process because you could be so results oriented, um, but it's not that that you know. I always try to like express to my clients that we want to focus on the process of lifting and, and of competing and all these things and making progress within that process instead of just solely focusing on the outcomes and results, because focusing just on the outcomes and results isn't going to get you through the process. So if you're kind of just like on autopilot going through the motions and just kind of executing at 50%, when you get to the end 
the end, like the, the show date, your result and your outcome is not going to be what you expected. And you're going to be disappointed. And you would have just wasted that whole prep period because you didn't focus on the daily process. And that's a big thing that we can apply to every aspect of life, job deadlines, relationships. If you're not giving your all, you know, to the best of your ability and everything that you do, then you're just sliding your opportunities as well as your potential to be the best version of yourself. Yeah, that, absolutely, man. And, and, one other thing too that that you brought up earlier that I, I feel like needs to be said again too was <coughs> sorry <clears throat> uh, was you know you talked about basically with the sport and again I think this is a life lesson that you can take really with anything that you do especially your fitness journey and but again really anything is like at the end of the day you really are only in competition with yourself because like for example like you said you know when when you go to a bodybuilding show at the end of the day, you can bring forth your best, your best. And, but honestly, it just really depends who else is on that stage with you in terms of if you're like going to win. And so I think it shows you two things, right? You're only in competition with yourself. And, and like you just mentioned there, like, don't be so focused on the result. Like, for example, the result, I feel like for this would be like winning your pro card or something like that, because really at the end of the day, you can't control like who's going to be there or what the judges think of you. Even if you feel like you brought your best, the, the, the most important thing is that you learn some things you know, um, you're better than what you were last time, or you just, again, I think overall learned things and, and you're a better person now for it. And again, just realizing that like, you just can't compare yourself to someone else because like, say for example, like that day you do show up and, you know, maybe there's a guy that's been doing this for 10 more years than you. Maybe he's a single guy. You're, you know, you're married. Um, you know, there's just like so many different circumstances. Maybe his genetics are a little bit better than you. Like you can't control those things. Right. But the only thing you can control is like, yourself and making sure that you're bringing your best self forward. And, and I know that's something you brought up earlier, but I just felt like that needed to be said again, because I just think that people look at, you know, with, especially in today's world with social media, too many people look at like where other people are and they think that that's where they should be. But it's just like, that's a losing game. Like that you, you're, you're never going to win that game. If, if you play that game. hundred percent. I really do think it's, it's so important. Not only to not only compare yourself with others, like to, to just, you know, disregard that and really stay in your own lane. But the reason I'm so adamant, especially with my competitors or in any aspect with any of my clients, lifestyle clients as well, I'm so adamant about focusing on the process is that honestly, I've seen better results when people focus on the process and really nail down the habits and behaviors and the sacrifices necessary to get to their goal than when they're just focused on the results and the outcomes. And it's funny because I used to, you know, when I first would bring this up to clients like a few years ago, and I really got into more, you know, because initially I started out, I just wanted to do well. I mean, I wanted to, you know, win shows and I wanted to look good on stage. And I realized that when I didn't get that outcome, I was disappointed yet. I had executed the entire time. You know what I mean? I'd done the best of my ability, but someone that was better than me, it was purely better than me. Or there was cases that someone, you know, whether it be that they had, they went to the gym that was promoting the show or whatever it may be, we could say politics or whatever we want to call it. But, you know, there was the judges determined that they had a better physique than me on that day. And whether I thought so, or the rest of the people in the crowd thought so or not, it didn't matter because they had the first place trophy and I had second. And that really made me reframe and, and change my perspective on this and really realize, am I going to allow the results of this one day? I'm on stage for 30 seconds, maybe, you know, or a couple minutes at most going, uh, am I going to let it undermine and take away the satisfaction that I had from the 16 weeks that I executed to the best of my ability? And that's when I really made a, a shift in perspective around being more process oriented rather than results focused and, and outcome oriented and not just worrying about show day, but worrying about 
everything that led to show day. And this is something that, especially with my clientele that are competitors, um, I really try to get across to them because I've had many successful competitors that were very, they came to me very outcome focused. When they didn't do well, they almost stopped, they wanted to stop competing. And they had all this potential in the world, but because one show didn't go in their favor and they were used to winning and this, that, and the other, you know, they wanted to give up. And so, you know, it's funny, you know, over time I've, I've gotten better ways at describing why the process is so important, but honestly, you know, sometimes people think that this is just like my subjective bias, meaning um, this is something that I think because I've seen it in myself and in practice, but we actually have research behind this as well, that being process oriented actually results in better outcomes in specifically fitness than being rewards focused. So, you know, I remember reading a study that looked at training from the context of like, whether training is simply a, a method of achieving a goal or if it's like internally rewarding. So pretty much looking at being results focused. So what you're getting out of it directly from a physical perspective, or, you know, really aligning with the process and focusing on that. And this was done, um, I believe it was in treadmill running and they had two groups. They pretty much separated them out and they had one group that focused on the experience and the process of the run itself. They wanted them to feel, you know, the endorphin rush and, and what they got out of it, what they got out of the process of a daily run. And then the other group that they had separated them out into was focused just on the result, which was with the intention to exercise and to lose weight. So that was all they were focusing on. It was how much weight can I lose? How many calories can I burn? And what the researchers did was they didn't give the participants a, a selected amount of time. They pretty much just told them, you know, they asked them, what is your, you know, plan target for how long you want to run? And in the group that focused on the process, they exceeded the amount of time that they had planned to run for. You know, they initially planned to exercise, I think, between like 35 and 40 minutes, and they ended up running over 45 minutes while being focused on the experience. So they actually ex exceeded their expectations, you know, just based on being in the process and enjoying it. But then in the group that focused just solely on the result and wanting to burn calories and things of that sort, they had planned to run for longer than the process-oriented group, but ended up not even meeting their expected time and going under it. So instead of, you know, hitting over 45 minutes as they had initially projected, I think they did 30 to 35 minutes. And that's kind of just like a reiteration that, you know, being just driven on the outcome, if you're not seeing a tangible benefit immediately, you're not seeing weight loss, you know, you're going to stop that process. But when you focus yeah. on the process of doing something because, you know, you want to do this daily because you know it's going to add up long term, you know, it's going to have benefits outside of just like the physical aspect. This is helping you mentally. This is helping you physically. This is helping you health wise, you know, and you focus on that process and celebrate those daily victories within the moment you're going to be more successful, not only in the short term, but also in the long term. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. And I think, I think this is probably like, I had a couple of things come to my mind as, as you were saying that. And I think this is it probably is, is fairly similar to what you just said, but you know, also like, let, let's be honest, the, the process of prepping is not the most fun, right? I mean, you're, you're not eating a lot of food, like your training suffers, like, you know, it's in some cases, depending on how lean you get, you know, your, your libido may go down. Like you, you just don't feel great. Right. But obviously that's something that we, that you choose to do. You, you have that choice. So I, I think it's important to say, but I feel like, again, that, that just goes like, you know, if you do want to get somewhere and you have a goal, like you, I also, I also feel like it teaches you that like, it's not going to be all like rainbows and butterflies on the way there. You know what I mean? Like it's going to, you're going to have some hard times and you're really going to have to to push through and like, you're going to have to do things when you like really don't want to do them. But if you want to get somewhere, like, you, you know, you, again, you have that choice to do it or not. And it, it, again, it's, it's, it's a choice, but you know, I, I think it's important. It teaches you how to like, kind of push, push through those, those tough times. And again, realize that like, just because it doesn't feel good right now, doesn't mean it's not going to be like rewarding or satisfying later on. And then, 
another thing on that, and this is, this is similar. And this was kind of for me personally, I, I it just, I think it depends on the person, but like for me, a big thing was it really helped me get to realize that like, if there's something that I don't want to do, I need to, I, I just have to do it. And like, it's not as bad as you think. And what I mean by that is for me, like, I always hate it. Like going up in front of people, like speaking in front of groups, like just doing stuff like that. And you, you know, when you do bodybuilding, you literally get tanned up, you get, you wear absolutely like no clothes while you're up there and you just get judged by a bunch of people you don't know. I, you know, to, to think, and, and you go up there and pose. Right. And like, for me, you know, for some people it comes natural to them. For me, that's not natural at all. But like the first I've only competed twice, but each time I did it, man, it was like, it just, for whatever reason, it just like opened like these, it just like, I bust through like these doors because like, I was able to be like, dude, even though like, I could never see myself doing it, you just have to go and like do it. Right. You just have to get comfortable with that feeling of like doing something that doesn't feel natural to you. And like, that just can open up so many doors because I feel like had I not done that, you know, I never would have started this podcast. Probably. I never would have found more clients. I never would have posted on social media. Like I never would have like gone to Toastmasters and done that. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's the thing that another thing that it can uh, really teach you as well. No, I think it not only teaches you that you need to get out of your comfort zone, because think about it, like in order to grow muscle, in order to, you know, really get into lean condition, you need to disrupt your homeostasis. So you need to get away from your baseline. Essentially, you need to push yourself, you need to incur a progressive training stimulus. You need to push yourself and challenge your body week on and week out more than you had previously. So you need to test your capacity and see if you can you can continually get better. But also when it comes to fat loss, you're testing your mentality. You're making yourself uncomfortable. You're um you're confronting hunger and and you know uh, insatiable appetite and you're doing things that many people don't experience like in the 21st century like how many of us can really say besides bodybuilders or people that are impoverished that have experienced true hunger because I'll tell you I've woken up in the middle of the night so hungry that I couldn't go back to bed I've had dreams where I've woken up and wanted like a a, a cup of vegetables like I always tell my clients when we talk about hunger I'm like <laughs> Yeah, and we're going back and forth. I, I'm like, are you hungry enough to eat? Like they'll say they're they're feeling hungry this week. And, and if it's something that they're like, I'm trying to di- uh, differentiate whether it's like hunger or cravings. I'm like, are you hungry enough to have a chicken breast? And they're like, no. And are you hungry enough to have like um, a cup of zucchini? No. You know, it, it's that they're hungry for chocolate or hungry for something hyper palatable. And it's like, you know, I don't tell them that they're not hungry, but I'm like, this is like a sign that you're dealing with cravings. But really, like I've been at those points where like I would have died for a chicken breast, but I knew it wasn't within my plan. Like I, like in my mind, I'm like, listen, this is what the plan's written and I need to follow this because that's who I am as a person. And it's not that a chicken breast would have killed me, but it just, it wasn't on my plan. It wasn't in my daily macros and, and that's, it is what it is. So it, it's teaching yourself to get uncomfortable, but also those have applications elsewhere. So I, I can completely relate to you. Like Jeff, I grew up where I had, um, you know, I had a fear of public speaking most of my life, like up until college, like doing presentations, even like my, my final presentations, like I was literally shaking. And the first time I got on stage, you know, I'm one or two years removed from college and I'm literally shaking there, but it taught me to get out of my comfort zone. And, and that was something that fitness did that for me. It gave me confidence. I remember like I was the most nerve wracked individual the first time I did a photo shoot, like I, I needed to, at the time I had to bring my girlfriend there uh, that I was dating at the time and uh, have her stand behind or stand next to the photographer. So I could look at her and not look at the camera. Cause I was, I need someone for comfort. I needed a crutch. And so I would have never, I would have never gotten to like, I've presented in front of hundreds of people. Like for instance, 
you know, I, I worked at a company that one, I, I was a key accounts manager for a company called Nutribile. And one of my main accounts throughout the country was bodybuilding.com. So mind you, like I grew up like on the bodybuilding.com forums. So like every month I would be able to fly out to Boise, Idaho, to their headquarters, train their gym, the same gym that like Steve Cook and all these guys, these legends in the sport did training videos in. And, you know, the first time they sent me out there was for a week long of presentations. And I presented for up to 400 people. And had I not done bodybuilding, had I not done fitness, had I not pushed myself out of my comfort zone and become comfortable being uncomfortable, I would have never been able to A, be in the position that I'm in, you know, in terms of sports nutrition, as well as as a coach, but also I would have never had the confidence to present, you know, in front of these people, because I would have been, um, I would have not been able to express the knowledge that I have or, or any of these things. Even when I first started doing podcasts, I turned down podcasts for years because I was uncomfortable with myself and, and I just felt self-conscious. And it wasn't until that I realized like, listen, you've competed multiple times. You've been in multiple magazines. You've been in front of, you know, um, you know, cameras and this, that, and the other, like you can do this. And it's just about taking that and giving yourself that reminder. So anyone out there, whether you've competed or not, like if you've been able to attain a physique goal by staying diligent and disciplined and in a process, you can do anything else in life. You could succeed in business. You can have a great relationship. You can go at, up to that girl, you know, at, you know, um, at a restaurant or whatever it may be. And you can approach, you know, someone or, or get outside of your comfort zone because you've done it in real life and you've shown yourself that yes, it's scary, but it has a payoff. So it's, it's really looking at that cost, you know, benefit ratio and seeing like, listen, when I step outside of my comfort zone, and I push myself, I push myself in terms of my body or in terms of my nutrition. Um, to better my body composition, to better my physique. Now, let me just apply that to other aspects of life. Like you've done in business, like I've done in different entities and different aspects of my life. And it's like, it's fully transferable. So that's why I always encourage people like, don't just take fitness and let it be a one-dimensional aspect of your life. Don't just go in the gym and like exit those doors. And it's not that fitness has to be everything about your life because I wouldn't encourage that either, but take those lessons that you learned in fitness, in training, in bodybuilding and apply that to other aspects. I'm sure you'll be, you know, substantially and significantly more successful. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And, and to add one thing on that, cause I know you got to hop off here, but also like be open and, and keep your eyes peeled for those things too. Right. Don't, like you said, don't be so close-minded. Like you're only going in there cause you don't like yourself and you just want to look better. Right. Like I, I think after listening to this, you know, be open to that and like, realize that like, there's a lot of things that you can take from, from training and nutrition and, and apply them to your life that can make your life better too. Um, that that's kind of my closing remarks there on that as well. So, um, cool, man. Uh, good episode. I, I feel like we really, uh, dove into that and it was a little bit different than what we normally talk about. So I think a lot of people will take a lot from this, um, real quick, anything coming up or anything you want to leave the audience with before we uh, let you go? Um, nothing in particular, just, um, me relocating this week. So looking forward to that. And then also we, you and I have some, uh, group podcasts coming out, so that'll yep. be exciting. But other than that, guys, if you have any questions, any inquiries, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Brandon DeCruz underscore, or at my email address, which is B fitness at gmail.com. Awesome, man. Yeah. And, and looking forward to that round table with, with Jeremiah and, uh, we got one topic we didn't get to today, but we'll obviously say that for our, our next chat, which I'm sure will be in the next month or so anyway. So uh, thanks for coming on again, man. And we'll, we'll chat with you soon. Sounds good, brother. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.